0: Hello and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark.
1: And I'm Rochelle Moulton.
0: And today we're going to talk about how to keep producing killer content.
1: Yes, yes, I love this topic.
0: Yes, like Freddy Krueger content? What are we talking about here?
1: (laughs) Well, I'm thinking, you know, killer content is content that engages your ideal audience, right? It's the thing that you want to be like a must-read With your ideal audience, we're not talking about everybody, you know, we're not talking about that, but we're talking about whoever you've designed or designated as your sweet spot client, you want to pull them in.
0: Mm -hmm. And before we even get into it, how would you measure engagement? Oh, (laughs) oh, that's,
1: that's a good one. I mean, it's sort of easy to measure things like views and likes and those kinds of things. And those feel really good to the ego. But to me, the engagement is when people start to talk about your stuff to other people, they start recommending you and, and they might do it without even interacting with you. Cause to me, pure engagement is that they're interacting,
0: mm-hmm. right?
1: So if I'm sending an email series out, somebody's writing me back yep. and saying, this is what I think, or have you thought about this? Or you're just plain crazy about this. That's engagement. But just because a few people engage on social media, it can still feel like crickets if they're not the right people.
0: Right. So, and and I totally agree with that definition. So I I see like stage one of real meaningful engagement beyond like, you know, the likes and the hearts and that, you know, that sort of stuff. It's (laughs) kind of, it's nice, but it's a little cheap. I start to see real, I consider first stage of real engagement when people are responding to me like in an email. I don't even... Sort of comments on like a YouTube video or on a LinkedIn post or something are sort of in between, like because they're public and there can be like another motivation for the person to mm-hmm. engage with you publicly. Right. But if somebody's responding to email, private, they're not trying to impress anyone. They're just they just can't help like they have to let you know that this was meaningful to them or it You know, was, I get a lot of like, oh, this couldn't have been timed better. This is exactly what I needed mm-hmm. to hear today. Like to me, that's when it. That's the the real. Those really make me feel good and I believe that the person is engaged. Where if somebody just clicks a heart on a on a Twitter post or whatever it is these days, then it's like, well, that's nice. It's certainly nice, and I like that. And please keep doing it. But it's a little bit, it's a very low level of engagement. I I like the level one where people are really sending thoughtful emails back. And then the the home run level engagement, like you said, is when they're not even looping you in and they're just sharing it with other people.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: you you like find out about it accidentally. It's like, Whoa, whoa, that is, (laughs) that's intense.
1: Well, and that's when we get all the, the, is it endorphins? I'm not sure if it's the same thing, but it's, (laughs) it's those, it's that great feeling because you've helped somebody and it it's valued by someone. So it's like, you're not just sitting in your ivory tower writing or or podcasting, or vi- videotaping something. did I just say videotape. Yeah, I do that too. <laughs> <laughs> Videoing something. Oh my god! I feel like I'm living in the 80s now. Um, <laughs> you, you feel like your, you know, your stuff matters. And as they start to engage, the part I love about that is then they give you new ideas that are a different perspective than than you went into this with.
0: Right. Without it's funny when we had James Clear on the show. He mentioned that uh, you know he writes all the time. But when he was writing uh, Atomic Habits, he found that he was getting stuck and unmotivated and he couldn't, he just could it was like torture pulling teeth. And he realized it, it was that he wasn't sending it to his list, you know, because he'd work on a mm-hmm. chapter and it was just like no one reading it. And he, mm-hmm. he, and he was like, he ended up getting an editor and he was like, oh, that was all I, I just needed feedback. I needed someone to be like, yeah, this is landing, this isn't landing but what you were just talking about it kind of reminded me of that, but it also reminded me of normal, straight up employee motivation in like a company. A great way to demotivate someone is to give them no feedback, like one way or the other. They just feel like mm-hmm. nothing they do matters. Like, you know, it's like, dink, dink, dink. is this thing on? <laughs> yeah. So getting real thoughtful, meaningful feedback, I think is that, that's to me a great useful definition of engagement.
1: You know, it just made me think of um, David Meister before he retired, um, you know, he wrote quite a number of books for professional service people. And, you know, they said, you know, it's kind of what's the secret to to this productivity because he flies around the world, gives lots of speeches. And he said, I never write a book. I write articles. Mm -hmm. And then we put them all together in a book. And a lot of those articles had been published elsewhere before they were put in the book. So he got feedback. Yeah. That is a really interesting way to do it. It's it's hard to write for other people by yourself,
0: right? Okay, so I think we've got a pretty good definition definition of what the opposite of crickets is. So people are engaging <laughs> with your work. They're sending you meaningful feedback. They're sharing it with other people, either with or without your knowledge. The idea is spreading, as they say. So how do you do that? Like, I mean, I can you know it, it's maybe oh, easy, not easy, but I would say that it's not uncommon. Every once in a while to have like a tweet or a blog post or a podcast episode that sort of goes viral. I think, Mm -hmm. you know, these days someone has probably had an experience of that. Like, wow, this tweet really blew up sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But how do you do that? You know, like you said in a previous episode, hope's not a strategy. (laughs) How do you how do you do that? Like what 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 is repeatable about that?
1: Well, I think there's a space in between crickets and viral. And I think aiming for viral is is really difficult to do. I mean, I think we did an episode on that at one point. It's so so. I kind of think let's aim lower than viral. Sure. And and that's I don't like to aim lower. I like to aim high. But the, the thing with viral is there's always a magic component about it. You have to hit sort of a soft underbelly of something at exactly the right time. Yeah. And it's it's like really, causing an
0: avalanche. The avalanche was ready to go.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it's a tougher one. But I think, you know, the definition for each of us is going to be different depending on like where you are at this moment. So if you're in a place where you feel like nobody's reading your stuff, but you're writing, and you you've been regularly writing, actually, we should talk about that too. what regularly means, you know, that's then your goal might be just to get a small group of you know 25 people first 50 people 100 people and then by by talking to them and when I say talking it could be writing it could be podcasting it could be videos um, by writing with them to them and listening to them then you're going to start to understand what you need to do to, to, to capture them but it's got it you have to know your audience you've got to know who you're writing for and when it's crickets then you've got to pick an audience you know <laughs> And then, you know, that's kind of the starting point is you know, am I writing for the right people?
0: Yeah, that's you're reminding me of an email that I wrote the other day called I think it's called do better work and it was it was like it's like you could look at your social number of mm-hmm. social media followers. You see somebody that has a ton of social media followers and from the outside, it's not without some digging. You can't really tell if they have a lot of followers as a side effect of doing really good work that people share and, you know, come back for more. Or have they figured out how to game the system to pump up their numbers? You know, follow backs and you know, paying for bots and you know, all all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And you don't. It's like important not to confuse those things. You think like, oh well, you know, if I have, I want a million followers. Well, why? You know, and and don't you want? You you want it to have like a like a hot magma core, like gravity, like this giant gravitational. Uh, you know, sun, this energy that's sort of self-sustaining. You don't want it to be like a balloon that looks big from the outside, but it's completely empty on the inside. And to your point about knowing your audience, I think, you know, the, the, the open loop I left in that email is like, well, what the heck is better work? How do I know how to do better work? And it's exactly what you just said, which is like, have a change that you're trying to make, like, who are you trying to help? And how are you trying to help them like what's the promise you're making to these people who who you want to pay you with either money or their attention so if you want people to pay attention pay attention you need to deliver something back to them and that thing needs to be insight or um, uh, some kind of knowledge or you know uh, alleviation of pain like but you can't you can't diagnose like a million you can't say oh like a million people have this pain unless you you know unless you go for like you know, they want washboard abs or something. <laughs> you know, it's like you need to know who you're talking to. Well, let's put it like this: if you know who you're talking to, it dramatically increases the odds of being able to help them. It's kind of hard yes. to help, like you know, you've, you don't know who you're talking to. It's just like a you know, you got your eyes closed and you're in a dark room and there are people in there and you just you can't know how to help them. But if you know who you're talking to. And you have, you need to understand them to a certain extent. You need to have an empathy to that, toward that group or those types of people or the situation that they're in or the, you know, whatever it is that, that makes them people like that, whatever the, whatever the thing that binds that segment of the population together, you know, whether it's a demographic or a psychographic or a vertical or job title or a life stage, whatever the thing is, they're bound together in a particular way. And you can take your expertise, which might be a horizontal expertise of like, uh, I'm amazing at creating WordPress themes or I know how to create, you know, React Native applications. So you've got this horizontal skill. And if you find that intersection with an audience, all of a sudden you can help that audience with a particular, perhaps help that particular audience by applying your expertise in a way that's going to make sense to them and their current condition. So... I mean this is probably beating a dead horse probably every other episode we talk about knowing who you're talking to but <laughs> but picking an audience is super critical uh, because you know you just get to you'll just learn you get to know them and then it just it's easier to help them which is going to keep you away from the cricket situation
1: Well you know we talked about this when we talked about um, writing a book and mm-hmm. it's kind of the same thing I think it helps if you can visualize a person or a small cohort of people and you can do it by like doing the client avatar exercise so you narrow it down or you can do it by just picking a client you've worked with before who's your absolute sweet spot. Like if you could, you know, replicate that person in that assignment over and over again, you would. Mm-hmm. So pick that person and and write to them right? right for them. What, what goes through their minds? What challenges did they have to overcome? What knowledge do you have that would help them in their day to day or in some big audacious goal that they're, they're searching? It's like, it's met, it's, it's getting really clear. And I just think sometimes a visual helps.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I did the exact same thing when I wrote my first successful book. I, wrote it directly to one of my sisters because she was the sweet spot for what like the level of specificity that I needed to put in the book because if you if you go to write a book Mm -hmm. your brain starts to unravel if you don't know who you're talking to you know it's in in my case it was a tech book so some questions I asked I had to ask myself at the beginning it's like you write a simple sentence like okay you know click here on this thing and then you know click click on this button and then uh, uh something will come up and then drag it into this other folder And then I'm like, do I need to explain what drag means? Like, do I need to explain how to, what about click? Like, do they even know, do they understand, you know, how much base knowledge does this person have? And if you don't decide on that in advance, you'll, you'll just unravel. Like the book will be 10,000 pages long and no one will like it because the people who most need the key part of it that you're, where you bring yourself to it are just they can't get, you know, the signal to noise ratio is terrible because there's like three chapters on how to operate a computer. And what you're really trying to get across is like, Oh, here's how responsive web design works. So mm-hmm. you have to have a baseline, you have to have an understanding of a baseline knowledge. And once you do that, all of a sudden your language becomes really articulate. I almost said specific, but it's, it's more like you're able to communicate much more articulately because you, you know what the base of some, you have your base assumptions about the reader. And you can use those as a jumping off point to take them a little bit farther instead of having to build the entire platform before you can even start talking about your thing.
1: Well, and that kind of leads you to the next point, which is the whole idea of developing a language around your area of expertise and for your audience. And and you can't just like start, let's say blogging, for example, you can't just start blogging and have all of that stuff worked out you kind of have to work it out as you, as you write and as people read and respond to your stuff. But, you know, most experts or authorities have, you know, a, a dozen or two dozen words or concepts that they use over and over again, that means something specific to their audience. And so that's part of this dance too. And so if you, if you once you know who that that ideal audience is that person that you have in your head that will help you develop the language too. And that language, not to go too far off base, but that special language is part of what can help you elevate your brand as an authority is if, if people are glomming onto your terms, all of a sudden you're starting the conversation, you're not jumping in mid sentence, you are starting conversations and that makes the difference.
0: Yeah. I want to key off a point in here that kind of ties those two things that that topic in the previous one together, which is that vocabulary that you create. It's, I think it's, in my experience, it's much more powerful. It's much more sticky if it happens organically through conversations with this audience that you've selected, mm-hmm. which is what yes. you were saying. But I just wanted to like pile on there because you could come up with like, I'm going to, I'm going to create a new term, you know, like something <laughs> awkward and, and forced
1: marketing speak
0: yeah yeah just like word salad it's you know or like somebody's like if you're like me, dear listener if you're like me there's probably a phase in your life where you bought like hundreds of urls like domain names because you're like oh this would be a great like term or like i'm gonna own this term or like this is a cool <laughs> this would be a cool website for uh, a social network for stand-up comedians or something you know and it just never. It doesn't really ever seem to work. I, I, I can't think of one example. Not. That I'm not sure how I would know, but it feels to me much more natural and and expected that a language is going to grow organically from conversation among a group. So if you know who your target audience is and you are interacting with them on a regular basis, which I think is going to be our next point, then you can write in a way that's going to be very engaging and the the whatever the group you want to call it that tribe will this tribal language will kind of emerge from it and you'll start to see i mean it, it might even uh, be the audience that comes up with the term like like you mm-hmm. you've got this concept you're talking about and they start talking about it and they use a shorthand for it but uh it's that that's a great sign of engagement and uh, and that you're you're doing something right if people are you have like this concept that is maybe a little bit in in depth and then the audience or you organically find a term to encapsulate this idea. Like, you know, like the why conversation, like that's, that's a, a you know, 10,000 words of explanation wrapped up in three words, you <laughs> know, but people who are on my list know what that is because it comes up and it's shorthand for this thing. And so we've, we've built this little piece of the, our shared understanding that we can key off of. So I don't have to re-describe it every single time I want to build on top of it.
1: Well, and just to add to that, if, if if you're someone who's been um, consulting for a while and you maybe haven't built much of an online audience because you do word of mouth or your existing contacts or or you're building more in-person kinds of relationships, you probably have a vocabulary that you just don't know you have yet. I mean, one of the one of the things I found with a lot of clients is when they're starting to get ready to kind of go out, if you will, with their message beyond their core group of clients is they're like, oh, I don't, I don't have anything. But you do. Mm-hmm. Because if you've been consulting all that time, you've got a process that you follow. You've got a, 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 a sequence of events that happen that you deal with. Typically. And so you have I guarantee you've got at least a half a dozen words in that vocabulary at a minimum. So part of this is to mine what you've already created to kind of start that. And when you th- it, that's why it helps so much to visualize who your client is or who your audience is so that you can go back and think about the kinds of things you did with that particular person. You know, what are their pain points? What are the, how can you make them happy? Can you save them time? Can you save them money? Um, Can you save them agony? Uh, All of those things.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I wrote an entire book based on, like, I just thought back to like every sales conversation I ever had. And I'm like, you know, I, there's a few lines that I say all the time, like that I, that I use over and over and they seem to work. Like I keep closing deals, so it must work, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it, I'm not, not like winging it every single time. Like after 10 years of, of talking to prospects, there are certain ways that are effective to describe what it was that I did that were unique to me or stuff that I picked up from mentors and, uh, you know, other, other people in the space, colleagues, that sort of thing. And it, turn, it turns into a little lexicon of uh, terms and phrases that are, I think, as a as a whole, as if taken as a whole, is a nice little pile of IP.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I guess you proved it because you wrote a book about it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> cool. Okay. So I think I think the the obvious point that we haven't touched on yet is. How often should you write? If you are, you know, or maybe not write. It could be putting out videos or blog posts or, sorry, uh, podcast episodes or who knows what. But how often should you be creating content? So if we're if we're imagining like, oh, how do I keep producing killer content? How do I get engagement from people? What to do if I'm getting, you know, crickets or whatever? I think writing a lot or putting. I'm just gonna keep on saying writing, but but publishing. Let's say
1: let's say producing because I I like to think of it, we're producing things, you know, Mm -hmm. we're, we're making things, Mm -hmm. not, not necessarily tangible things, but we're making things, we're producing.
0: Yep. Yeah. And you need to be putting it out there. Like it needs to be published, not just sitting on your hard drive.
1: Yes. Important distinction.
0: Right. So if you're publishing, I mean, I'm just going to go ahead and say you need to be publishing every day. It's like if you, at least every weekday, if you do that, it completely rewires your brain and it and it's, it's like, especially if you are getting crickets and you're not getting engagement, if you go from publishing like weekly to every weekday, that's five times more chances, five, five more, more chances at bat. You know, you're coming up to the plate five more times. So in the, you know, or seven more times if you're doing it every single day. And that's just like, it's like an order of magnitude, more volume that you're putting out. And, and, and yeah, you're going to keep writing. It's probably, you know, if you're writing junk now, you're going to be writing five or to seven times more junk, but eventually <laughs> something's going to click and you're going to be like, what did I do differently? Did that one feel different? Uh, what was it that people liked about that? In fact, and this is, I suppose, re- related to uh, the previous point, when someone does share something or they say, or they email back, like, that was amazing. I really needed to de- read this, but they don't tell me why I'll usually ask be like oh thanks that's awesome was there anything particular that stuck out or stood out for you, you know cuz if i wrote a 500 you know 500 words and somebody's like wow that was amazing i want to know which part clicked for them mm-hmm. there's usually a few points that'll come up in the in you know even something that short so it's like look if you want to start hitting home runs it's like get up to bat more you know like it seems kind of obvious when you say it but i know that most people are like i could never do that i haven't got enough time i wouldn't okay. know what to write
1: Okay. All right. True confessions. <laughs> so, so Jonathan, and you know this background already, but you know, Jonathan and I have gone back and forth on this, and I've happily said once a week is plenty because it's regular. And Jonathan said, no, no, every day, every day. And we've always, you know, agreed to disagree in terms of what's right for each one of us. Either can be right for for anyone depending on what they want to do. So, I think it was about. 35 days ago now, maybe a little bit more. I started writing every day and thank God Jonathan's reading it. So, (laughs) (laughs) but it's, he's, I have to say I am the converted. So here's what I did. So I have a regular mailing list and I would email them once a week that I also posted on my website. And it it was, you know, on average between four and 600 words, sometimes shorter, almost never longer. And so what I did, because I was very nervous about this writing everyday thing is that I emailed my list and said, I'm going to do this. The topic of the new series is authority, kind of how to get it, how to use it, you know, tips, ideas, stories, etc. And so if you want to sign up, here's a link, sign up. So I did not shift my regular audience. So, so I have this, Subset of my original audience plus some new people that are coming through social media. I didn't advertise it on social media for a while because I, I just, I frankly was worried it was going to suck. <laughs> and I'm like, I want it to be like a friendly audience when I start, as because as I work this through, and it has changed how I think and how I write. And I thought blogging once a week changed me that way, and, and it did. Yeah. But there's something about being accountable every single day that you literally have to look around you to find that inspiration. And I have this couple times I've been, Oh my God, what am I going to write about? What am I going to write about? Because it's new to the process. So I don't have this big long list. Like I do on my blog stuff about right. ideas to write, but it's, it changes. I don't want to say it changes everything, but it changes an awful lot. It's given me a way to test out new ideas and I've had people say, yeah, yeah, this is great. And I've had some other people say, well, what did you mean by that? In fact, the one I'm doing tomorrow is is more on, on a topic a, a few people have asked about. So it's if, if what you want to do is to develop this, well, it's, it's IP for sure if, if you do it in a certain way, but if what you really want to develop is this engaged audience and you're helping them and you're giving them aha moments, the daily writing is absolutely a way to do it.
0: Yeah. I mean, I am converted too, you know, it's been three years now, so pretty well established, (laughs) but, but I, you know, like I, me converting you, Philip Morgan converted me. And, and I was also, you know, I was like, man, I love reading Seth's daily. It seems like a great thing, but I didn't, you know, I had all the fears that you mentioned, plus probably a few others, but uh, my friend Philip was like, "Dude, you got, you have to do this. You have to do this, and it'll it'll change your it changes your brain. Like it's amazing, and uh, you know in a good way." <laughs> well, but <laughs> um, let's go
1: let's go back to that question you asked though, which is you kind of said how often. And, you know, so not everybody is, is going to be up for doing it every day. And especially if it's a podcast, you know, you've got the production angle around podcasting. So maybe we should talk about like how often should, not should, how often might we do some of the other things like podcasting and video? I mean, how do you look at those? Because you do a lot of podcasting.
0: Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, I think every weekday is the minimum. Honestly, it's not okay. Let me let me qualify that. Wow, let me qualify that. So, I'm on a couple of lists. I'm big into lists, so the you know I don't really read blogs per se, but I you know I usually subscribe to the mail version of stuff, and I am on a couple of lists where the person does send out a weekly, and it is a must read every week. But those people are like like 10 out of 10 level writers. They're just amazing writers. Mm. Who are super tied into their subject area? They are complete experts. They are incredibly engaging and entertaining uh, writing style. So, like, I'm thinking of Paul Jarvis. He does like a, a mm-hmm. every Sunday. He's got it. You know, it's not even every Sunday. It's like most Sundays during the year. He takes breaks and stuff.
1: But he Sunday writes, Dispatch.
0: Yes, exactly. And it's reliably good. But he's an amazing writer, and he knows exactly who he's talking to, and the the focus is very clear. He's got an incredible, pr- I mean, the, the guy is like a character, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's really easy. Another one is uh, every Saturday, there's uh, a guy named John Dick who runs a company called Civic Science. And he, it's a, it's kind of like a polling or analytics, a modern polling or analytics market research company. And uh, he's like, he's great. I mean he's amazing he's constantly making jokes about his name he's always talking about <laughs> his daughters you know imagine having my last name and being a 13 year old girl in you know, junior <laughs> high and he's great and you know he's i think we're almost exactly the same age so i get like a, he has like a lot of cultural references that that land with me but let me tell you the the ones you know and those those are i'm trying to think are there any i mean i was on your weekly but i think your dailies are way better like i like your dailies way better I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know why there's like a, there's an urgency and a vitality to a daily that I think comes from the fact that you can't put too much polish on it. You can't get overly produced that, you know, I mean, the dailies that I'm on are just incredible. You know, like Philip Morgan's daily is incredible every time. You never know what to expect. It's always entertaining. It's always thought provoking. Bob unbelievable, uh, love his.
1: sets. Uh, his.
0: Unbelievable. You know, and you know, you get somebody like James Clear is another one who, who isn't daily, I wish it was though. Uh, Honestly, I would much rather have a shorter daily email than like these, you know, 2000 word once a week emails, but you know, that's his style. He's like a more of a long form writer.
1: Well, I, I love his stuff, though. I it's great. Because it's, great. it's it's well-researched. And that that's the downside. With Daily, it's harder to do well-researched stuff. But if you watch or, or if you read Seth Godin, and I don't know if this is true right now, but a couple of years ago, I could see him writing his book yeah. in the Daily email. Yep. So when the book came out, I went, totally. oh, I get it. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: I get it now. So, so Daily is great for that kind of stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it sounds, uh, but I know, I know how it sounds. People are like, "I could never do that. I don't have enough time." I did blah 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 blah, blah. excuses, 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 and, and I get it. That was me. But I would, you know, I'm willing to bet it would be the best thing. You, if you're if you're trying to build an authority business, there's nothing, there's no more silver bullet slam dunk that you could possibly do. This, I, I stake my reputation on it. Like it is a complete game changer. But, you know, you got to find the time to do it. You have to even. OK, I'll, I'll, I'll get off the soapbox here. Here's <laughs> here's the here's the thing. The more you write, the better you're going to get. Yes. So, you know, write as much as you can. And if weekly is as much as you can. OK, but just know that weekly is really not that often.
1: Well, I think podcasting is the same. I mean, I'm a relative newbie to this. And one of the reasons why I, I wanted to do it for a while, but I frankly was intimidated by the technical side. I just didn't want to have to be responsible, mm-hmm. right? For for one more thing that I wasn't really sure how it would work. And so teaming up with with you, Jonathan, was awesome because I could do the, you know, sort of the, the title piece and the art piece and, and you do the technical piece. When something breaks, I always know you're going <laughs> to figure it out, which I love and really appreciate. So, you know, you can also come up with different ways to, to produce content and mm-hmm. you can, um, you know, maybe align with somebody else. I mean, Jonathan, you have more than one alliance in these yeah. things. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, well, here's an example. I, I had that same sort of like, I'll I'll never be able to keep up with this. I don't want to start something that I'm not going to finish type of feeling pretty recently uh, when I started a YouTube channel and mm. I, I absolutely knew that high frequency is more effective. It's just true. Like high frequency, I would much rather have, I'd much rather put out five, five minute videos a week than one 25 minute video a week. There's no doubt in terms of like helping people, in terms of um, attracting audience, uh, all of that stuff in that space, in like that YouTube medium, more smaller is better than fewer long. Not that you can't have long form, not that you can't have long form.
1: Yeah, but especially for, for video, people aren't watching 20 minute videos.
0: Well, so here's the thing. Like, I think the sweet spot is, is like under 10 minutes or over two hours. Because like, like, and I see a lot of people like Gary Vee or Joe Rogan where they have these like interviews that are like two hours, like, it, like the dude will go into the studio and record two, three hour v- interviews, like back to back. Like, he'll have, I don't know if he's like has breakfast, goes into the studio, does a three hour interview, has lunch, does another three hour interview. <laughs> and he does it like f- three or four times a week. And, and, but they don't just release those. They also chop out individual You know, five ten-minute chunks that are of interest from you know, like a sort of standalone pieces, and they release those clips too. And Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's been my experience. And same thing with Gary V does exact same thing, where they create this these big pieces of content, and then they send out little chunks, and it kind of sucks you in. You're like, oh, what is you know, oh look, Elon Elon Musk smoked weed with Joe Rogan. Like, I'm gonna watch that five. How can you not watch that? And then, and then it gets, you know, then the clip ends and you're like, man, it was still going. And then you go to the main episode and then like three hours later, you're like, I should really go to bed. (laughs) (laughs) So I think, I think there's, I think there's tons of, of room to play with the medium to, you know, all, whether it's Instagram or YouTube or LinkedIn. Absolutely. But you really want to be coming up to bat like a lot, like regularly. Um, What's that? There's a podcast that's, uh, what's that huge podcast? Entrepreneur on Fire, I think it is. I think art of charm was a daily. There's plenty of dailies. I do I do ditching hourly. I go through phases where I'll do like a bunch of dailies, you know, like but I'm pretty sporadic with ditching hourly. That that one I'm you can not never know what to expect with that one.
1: Well, it's also which which I, I Jonathan you knew this and you told me about it, but it still surprised me is the amount of work involved when you have guests. Yeah. So um, on, on the one hand, I kept thinking, well, I can't just sit and talk for half an hour. It turns out, you know, I can, <laughs> um, but <laughs> it's more fun and more interesting to the listener to do it with somebody else. So it's a conversation. So what's fascinating, though, is that when you have guests, I find there's a fair amount of work to do because you've got to, first of all, you have to figure out who you want to have guest, and then you've got to know their stuff so that you can ask the right questions for the topic of your podcast. Mm -hmm. And especially when they've written not just one book, but two or three or four that were all well received. It's like you really have to kind of work out a topic, and we're not big believers in Spending a lot of time with the guest ahead of time because sometimes you have the interview and it's not recorded when you have that conversation. So we like to go into it ready, prepared with ideas, and that takes time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It, so that would be harder to do.
1: Yeah. It would be harder to do if, if, you know, if it wasn't your day job.
0: Right. So here's a, I mean, if we want to get tactical, there's a sort of philosophy of mine that I, try really hard to optimize all of this stuff to be as frictionless as possible. So I will cut out things that might seem important on the surface or like everybody has individual episode artwork, which I don't do for any of my shows. I don't do for any of my shows. You do it for this one, but (laughs) um, I don't, I don't do it for any of them because not that I think it's valueless, but because it would add enough friction for me to not do the show or to like delay publication and to like get, it would, it would be just enough more effort for me to just not keep up with it. So Mm -hmm. I relentlessly savagely remove every possible thing. Like there's no music on this show. There's no music at the beginning or the end. There's no fancy voiceover this week. Jonathan Stark and Rochelle Mullen (laughs) talk about, You know, there's none of that. (laughs) I
1: just figured out your newest side hustle, Jonathan.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I would do anything to be the guy that does the trailer movie trailer voiceovers. I would love that job. But anyway, the uh, just put that out in the universe. I I think it's really important, especially if you're nervous about keeping up with stuff. This is going to sound sort of like lame, I guess. But leave out everything except for the, the one thing that you absolutely have to do, which is share the idea. You know, I don't have, you know, my, my emails are plain text. My website is plain text, everything, and, you know, and maybe you could say, well, that's your brand. But you know, the reason it's like that though, is because I would rather spend time cranking out the, the core value piece and not spend time on things like, um, uh, you know, like I don't do any show notes for my other, po- I don't do any show notes for my podcasts. I don't do the ones for TBOA and I don't do any for any of the other ones either. Cause I, you know, it's like, it's not the most, it's not the number one priority. In other words, like if I was going to decide between having the audio file and having show notes, show notes <laughs> wouldn't make mm. sense. Like the audio files, the thing. So the conversation's the thing. The idea is the thing. Now, I've gotten to a point where I have a VA who does stuff like that for me because I do think they add value. But if you're listening and you're like, oh, there are too many things to to consider, I would have to, you know you know, record the video or record the audio or write the blog post. And then I'd have to do show notes or I'd have to do titles or I'd have to do like a, a thumbnail. Uh, then I'd have to share it on social media and then I'd have to engage all over the place. You know, it's like, no, 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 no. You don't have to do any of that. There's only one piece of it you have to do for it to exist. And that piece is the video itself. And you can, um, you know, like just to, pull up some examples like joe rogan no editing that whole show is no editing and and what happens is after a while you start to get good at just doing it live basically um what are some other examples uh there's a bunch of good examples where people are like you just get good at doing it so oh here oh here it It came back to me it was it's a student of mine who does beautiful stuff so if you're if you're like really design type of person and you aren't going to put out utilitarian looking stuff like I do and you really can't because you're talking to designers it needs to be beautiful. Uh, it needs to be whatever. Then, uh, you know, I have a student who's like this and it makes sense for him to do really gorgeous stuff because it's it, for him that is on brand. Like that's what he's teaching. Mm-hmm. So it has to look good. And we, but that said we went from a, from a situation where it was taking him up to 40 hours to create one five minute video. <gasps> yeah up to not, oh, not normally, goodness. not normally, but this stuff was great, but that's too long. And we got it down to one day. And then we got it down to four hours and I think he's done it two hours now. Mm. So whatever it is, like even, and it's still gorgeous. He's just outsourced some things. He's sort of, uh, you know, systematized certain things. Uh, he did, he did cut out a few things that added a lot of production time that really weren't adding that much value in the end product. But you have to be ruthless about what is the key piece here and how much can I do that I just don't want to bite off more than you can chew. And a lot of a lot more stuff is optional than you probably think. I guess if I was going to summarize that whole sort of rant, (laughs) that's what I would say. Like a lot of stuff is optional.
1: Well, here's the thing, though, is that it's got to be on brand. If you want to consistently produce killer content, it's got to be on brand. And so I agree with everything you said and how it applies to your brand. I don't think it applies to everyone's. So here's let me give you an example. You could do something that has no artwork at all and could be phenomenally successful, but you do have to share it. So you've got to take it and trot it out in social media or send it to your email list. You, know, you have to share it. Yes. So always look at any of these things as there is a must on the other side, which is you have to share it and you can Outsource that. There's lots of social VAs who will be more than happy to do that for you. But yeah, you have to I like the idea of less friction. But I think you pick and choose the things that are most important. And when you're first starting something, you don't have to create this big, you know, you know, mega monster,
0: you can
1: start, <laughs> you can start small and, but it will take longer on the first ones. I mean, I, I cringe. I cannot listen to our, our first few episodes mm. of, of TBOA. Uh, Jonathan sounds great to my own ear. I just sound like just this ridiculous amateur. <laughs> and I, I prob I may still sound the same. I don't know, but I feel much more confident in it now because we've got, you know, 80 something episodes under our belt. So it's a process. You'll get better, you'll get more comfort from it, and you'll reduce the amount of time it takes. I love that example of 40 hours to two.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's the same for me. This was not my first rodeo. If you go back and listen to my very first podcast, it's it's totally cringeworthy. You go back to go back to Joe Rogan experience one. It's awful. You know?
1: Yeah. We all had to start somewhere. Right.
0: Yeah. It doesn't have to be this fully formed, perfect thing right out of the gate because that's that's like panic inducing. And it's just too much. And, and to imagine that you'd do it every day is like, no way.
1: Actually, that's a really good point though, because in video in particular, it used to be not so long ago. I'm talking just three or four years ago that you had to have a pretty well-produced video on anything to be taken seriously. And now it's the opposite. Yep. It's actually people trust it more if it's more natural. If it's you like sitting at your webcam at your computer with whatever you normally wear when you work during the day and you're talking to camera. Totally it's, agree. It's a sea change. Mm-hmm. So now it's like you see those slick kind of things and you're like, mm, yeah. I don't think I want to read that or yep. watch that, follow that person.
0: Yeah. the That's sort of Amateur video, ad hoc, unedited is, I, I, I couldn't agree more. It's like, I, and I had an experience of, like, I can't remember who the person was, but it's someone who's not, not famous, but very well known in the kind of online marketing space. And I'd seen some stuff from him that was really slick. And I was like, man, this dude's spending some money on this. Like, and, and then I saw, and then he posted like some YouTube video where he's out biking with one of his friends and he saw something. Uh, on oh, that's the that
1: Derek, that Derek guy. Derek
0: could have been Halpern. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was, that was so, him. it was somebody like that. Yeah.
0: And he just like had did like a selfie video and I was just like now, see, now I feel like I met the guy, <laughs> you know, it's,
1: yeah,
0: I, I suppose there's a place for both. Cause like my, my, my student who I, you know, had the really elaborate video production, you know, he's like, his stuff's very compelling too, but you, but it's, um, I don't know. It's still authentic. It's like, it, like, it's not slick in a bad way. It's just very professional and very, but very authentic. It's like, you know, it's, it's a lot of him talking to the camera, very like personal. You get, you get a feel like you're sitting next to him, you know, coding. It's like a coding thing. But, uh, but there's something about those, those like live videos. It's almost like you need to know your stuff even better to pull that off. You know, it's like that un- unedited live. Here we go. Let's do it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, a, it's panic producing. <laughs> or it can be for some people. Sure, yeah. sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I hated video when I first started doing it. I couldn't stand it. But I had to do, I did 50 videos for the pricing seminar. After that, I'm like, ah, I, I get it now. Like the first, same with the first couple of videos of that. Just, they're fine. But, but you know, nobody nobody says, Oh, those are terrible. You know, like those really need to be redone. But when I watch it, I'm like, Oh, oh wow, that hurts.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, we all cringe at ourselves. I mean, unless you're, you know, 100% pure narcissist, right? We all cringe <laughs> right. at like listening or watching ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a bit of a challenge.
0: Cool. Okay. So we've covered a lot of territory here. We've got, um, you know, knowing who your target audience is, developing a vocabulary with them, probably organically, writing as or publishing as often as possible you know hopefully more than once a week we didn't really talk about this but you mentioned it and i just like to touch on it real quickly before we wrap up is having a central theme you mentioned with your dailies that the theme is about building authority and Mm -hmm. you know the theme for my dailies the sort of i call it the sun in the center of my topic universe or solar system is is you know increasing profits stop trading time for money ditching hourly. Mm-hmm. It's like that, that mm-hmm. thing, stop selling your hands, start selling your head. And, uh, it all boils down to increase, you know, working less and making more, increasing your profits, but it's, it's very tightly aligned around that pricing concept. So yes, every, when you're, when you join the list, you know what to expect. Same thing with Bob left that same thing with Philip Morgan, same thing with John Dick's newsletter, even though it's once a week. And it's like a very, very clear theme and you can orbit around the theme as long as you tie it back to the theme, but it helps you. It's another way to decrease the friction. It's like, you know, who you're talking to, they know what they signed up for, you know what you need to talk about, you know what they care about, and you're going to come at it from every angle. And I think that not only does that help you knock it out of the park a little bit more regularly, and grow your audience and have it be more easily shared. But it helps you create more content because you've got to focus. You're not just looking everywhere like, oh, yes. what should I write about today?
1: Yes. And that's the hardest thing for new bloggers to latch onto because they're like, oh, there's no way I could write about this every week. Like, well, then, you know, what are you doing with your clients? Like, is that all you have in you is an article or two? You've got to know a lot more than that. And then they start, you know, writing for a while. And after you've written for about a year of once a week, so you've got like 50 posts, then you're, you're probably going to, if you haven't already, you're going to be repeating themes, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Well, not repeating themes, repeating um, some of the ideas underneath the themes. You, you almost have to. And then some people will get bored with that. And that's where, you know, again, you go deep, you go deeper, take this issue that people are interested in and look at it from a new angle, burrow down a little bit more, burrow down a little bit more. I mean, it's, it's a wonderful thing. It's being alive right now is amazing. (laughs) We can just do this and build our own audiences and businesses.
0: Yep yeah and so I'll, I'll close on a thought there which is that if if you are doing daily i was just talking to philip about this the other day if you're writing daily in two months you've put out a year's worth of what you would have done in in writing weekly so you've got like 10 more months like in that two months you burn through all of the surface level stuff all the obvious stuff and you're like out of material and you're <laughs> like wow it forces you to go deep like you said you know farther and farther yeah. down the rabbit hole and you start getting to like core fundamental topics that underpin some of the farther uh, the higher up surface level topics it gets that's where things get really interesting and i think you you need to be i just think you need to be putting out a lot of stuff on a particular theme to you know kind of get that drilling action going <laughs> it's like a, you know yeah. mining mining for gold or like drilling for oil it's like that's it you know you're drilling in the same spot every day farther and farther and farther farther down and like boom gusher
1: well you know i think it helps if you can be a little fearless or feel the fear and press the send button anyway
0: yeah <laughs> yeah and it, i think the especially
1: when the, i like the digging analogy like digging for oil because you go through all these different layers before you get to the good stuff yep. and you, you don't know when you start if it's a dry hole <laughs> so, you know, you've got to go with it. And you, you don't want to give up just before you hit the oil.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen.
1: <laughs> we murdered enough of those yes, analogies. Lots
0: of metaphors <laughs> to choose from. Cool. All right. Well, that's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark.
1: And I'm Rochelle Moulton.
0: And we hope you join us again next time for the Business of Authority. Bye.
1: Bye-bye.